Rock and roll will never die. It's Jumpin' Jackson on Amigos, episode 351. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Jumpin' Jackson. Aaron, who's your favorite Jackson? Uh, let me think here. Well, LaToya. I was... It's... You stole my punchline. Sorry. Bro. I'd say Joe. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Yeah. I believe he was on the uh, Black Sox team. That, Stand that, up fellow. That threw the, uh, World, the Series. World Series mm-hmm. in 1918. Yeah, that's it. You know all about these guys. What about you? Michael. MJ. He's your favorite? I'm a huge MJ fan. I don't know, man. Listen, mm. everybody's got their skeletons. You, you got that right. <laughs> but we can both agree the guy could put out some great tunes and was a great dancer. I've been listening to a lot of Jackson 5 mm-hmm. at work. Very underappreciated group. You well, know? they were pretty appreciated. And they also had a lot of knockoffs that also did the stole their shtick. Mm-hmm. You know, having the band, they had the kids sing. Well, you know, the Jackson 5, definitely not underappreciated. Everybody knows Jackson. I'm talking about the Jacksons. When, you know, it was Ooh, after. Oh, no, they were no good. What? I love the Jacksons. Name any of their tunes. I really, I uh, That's I what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I, I love the idea of the Jacksons. Why? They're adult versions of the old band? <laughs> yeah. That would suck. When was the first time that you noticed people getting older? What? What brought that on? Well, I remember when I was a kid, and you know, I used to watch the monkeys all the time yeah. you know, on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, every yeah. afternoon. And then one night on PBS, my parents started watching this show, was the monkeys. Yeah. And they like were the monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys in concert. Yeah. And then for the first time, because I was a kid, I know they were older. Peter Tork didn't age well. They were older they than rough. they were on the show. And I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, everybody that I know is going to die. This was like this was like a a shattering thing to me. This is a horrible opening yeah. segment, though. though. <laughs> well, I couldn't help thinking about did... we were talking about the Jacksons, and that's I mean I just started thinking about that watching that Monkeys concert, and even back in the eighties, the Monkeys looked old, and now of course they were old. Yeah, and now of course they're mostly deceased. Well, uh, Mickey Dolenz is still around. I, I think believe. he. I think he died also. Mickey Dolenz died. I think drummer he, and, and Peter Tork I, Peter, and Davy Jones. I, what about Mike Nesmith? I don't. Nobody cares about him. What do you mean? He was the guitarist. He wore a toque. Well, did I you mean, really like the Monkeys? It's like hard the show? to. I don't know. Did you I like watched their music? It. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll sit there. I'll sing a little "Last Train to Clarksville" on a Patreon song one day. That is a great song. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of good tunes. They yeah. didn't write them. Yeah, well, and some of the ones they did, but some of the ones they did. You know, the funny thing, I've been I've been doing a lot. I've got on this website that has all kinds of rock and roll history. Okay, and this game's got a lot of music in it, so I'm tying it in, right? And I found some stuff out that I never knew. Okay, all your favorite number one hits, they never wrote them. The same backup band played it probably thirty percent. Mm-hmm. All right, and a lot, almost all the songs were also covers of other lesser, lesser known versions. Give me one example. I'll give you. An, I'll give you an example. You ever heard that song, uh, Mandy? Yeah, right? Barry Manilow. Right, exactly. Everybody loves Barry Manilow. Number one hit, mm-hmm. right? I like that song too, Mandy. Yeah. You gave and you Guess gave what? without taking. He didn't write it. Really? In fact, he didn't. wasn't the first to perform, but it was performed did, many times. Did Bruce Johnson write it? No, get this. I don't know who wrote it, but get this. It came from the UK, oh. except over there it was called Brandy. Really? He changed the name of it because Brandy, you're a fine That's girl. That's right. Had a few years earlier. That's right. Bam. No one wrote nothing. I'm telling Nobody you. Did. It's amazing how many things are covers. And how many things were horked, and many of them were released, and also how many number one hits were B-sides. Mm-hmm. Tons of them. Interesting. Yeah. Music industry, endlessly fascinating. There you go. 
Aaron, I'll tell you what else is endlessly fascinating, and that's what's this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. Sort of a light news week this week, Aaron. We're going to start things off with one of our favorite people in the entire Amiga world, the Huck, Gary Hucker. He's back with a first, with a new video, his first in a while. This is his new Amiga. Now, Aaron, you're the one that, that stooged me into this. Tell me all about this video. So, Gary, uh, when it, you know, Gary is an Amiga guy with a bunch of Amigas. We've known Gary, we've known him for a long time, one of our earliest supporters, and, and we love Gary. He sent us all kinds of nice stuff. I believe he sent us our first uh, Specky. Uh, he sent us a bunch of stuff from uh, from Down Under. And uh, with all the big load of stuff that Gary got, he's gotten these huge, remember those big loads of Amiga stuff he got in? The one thing he didn't have out of all that was an Amiga 1000, which is funny because for once we had something Gary didn't have. Well, low mold. Gary picked this bad boy up. And this is video is him documenting the opening and the hooking up of his brand new Amiga 1000. Uh, some places are easier to get these than others. Clearly, Boaster. Well, I, I'm trying to think about where this might have originated from. Because, obviously, the Amiga 1000 is only released in NTSC territory. So this would have had to have been imported from the United States and run through some sort of a step-up converter to run over in New Zealand. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, did, they not, did they not have PAL 1000? No. no there's no it's PAL 1000. say that. I never really thought about it. But now that you mention it, it makes sense. Uh, so anyway, Gary goes through here. It's much like mine. His keyboard's a little suspect, although his is just missing some keys. Or mine looks like somebody like left it in a pasture for a couple years. Uh, but luckily, it works fine. And Gary loads up uh, one of his favorite games here. I think one of the first things he loads up is like Stunt Car Racer, so, which is cool. So anyway, uh, we wanted to say hi to Gary. And they, in fact, uh, uh, they he has his Amiga 1000, and it's working fine. And we always enjoy it when people we know... Have cool videos. All right, Brock informs me they didn't make PAL uh, A1000, so I, I could be wrong about that. I'm taking Brock over you in a week. Yeah. This is when we dropped the tech segment, about episode four, <laughs> right there. So, that's it, Gary, good guy. Yeah. All right, Aaron, coming up next, we have, uh, this is a, you know, most of the time, you know, Amiga stuff comes up for auction all the time. Yeah. But this is something that I've never, never seen before. This is a CDTV trackball and transmitter, wireless transmitter. Oh, God. Aaron, now, the CDTV, probably not on people's list of best Amigas of all time, but it does have a following. It does look cool on a shelf. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of any and all trackball peripherals. Give me a trackball any day of the week. What do you think about this thing, Aaron? Well... Uh, I'm sure that it's horrible, <laughs> you know, because the old uh, direct line of sight wireless controllers. I had a pair of those Atari 2600 wireless infrared controllers, mm -hmm. and these things were garbage. They were so bad that I got rid of them, and I never get rid of nothing. <laughs> I sold these suckers, uh, and they were crazy. So this, I'll be honest, with you, I had not seen this. Uh, and, and well, here's here's it. what I'm thinking. How cool would it be if you had this thing and hooked it up with some Marvel Madness action? What? I mean, that would be cool. Uh, and I do. I did read this poor fellow had to sell this because he had a vet emergency yeah, cat. Yeah, that's a bummer. But listen, he's got his priorities in line here. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, three hundred pounds. I don't know. And he's going to sell it for at least that. He's this got thing's got yeah. Bid. This thing's got seven days left, so it's going to go for much more than three hundred pounds. People are going to be interested in this thing, not necessarily use it, but just because there aren't that many of these things out there. CDTVs, 
did not sell well and peripherals for the CDTV especially not look at this thing it's got this whole thing hanging off on the right side who knows what's that what that's for that's what it, i was looking it for also idea. takes apparently d batteries yeah it takes it looks like it takes two d batteries and i wonder <laughs> oh, how long man. those last yeah you know this is a goofy i mean it really is and this is for the hardest of hardcore collectors mm -hmm. that has a cd tv that they've already jacked it up they're like listen i'm at the end of the line on cd nothing nothing i can get's gonna be this good and then this thing hones in the view mm -hmm. so the people that are bidding on this number one they already have a cd tv it's probably already fully jacked out and they probably get tons of cash so yeah. this could go for 800 pounds right. i wouldn't be surprised or you're it's pounds so I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to the big money. Yeah. I'd still like to have a CDTV, but I'm not emptying the vault to get a CDTV. When was the last time you slapped some D batteries in anything? Well, you're asking me that, so it hasn't been that long ago. <laughs> does the uh, what's your what's your robot friend, the eight track player? What is does he take? He some takes D's? D's. I think the big track takes some mm -hmm. D's. Yeah, so there's lots of the take. I think the big track takes like four D's. All your stuff that was serious business took That's the D right. batteries. Yeah, you got to have day. the D. The D's meant they were super powerful. Bro. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. Now this next series of videos come from Crazy Burger. Aaron, have you heard much from Crazy Burger before these two videos? I have. I've watched some of his stuff. I'm, if you'll recall, the reason I was turned on to Crazy Burger was because before the Amiga Mini was out, he was doing videos about the games as they came out mm -hmm. and what games were what. And so anyway, uh, I, I noticed that he had two, uh, I think, relevant uh, gimmicks this week. Of course, we have got ourselves one of these here, uh, Amiga or A500 Minis, which I'm holding in my hot little hand here. And these things are neat. We, we had a good time. I kicked the tires. I had a good time with it. But one thing it comes with is the ability to put your own stuff on. Right. You know. Right. And these things have pretty much been fully worked out. And so what you, what has happened here is someone's put out a custom download for these that sets gives you the workbench. It gives you the, all the WHD load stuff. It's fully uh, jacked up. And he and in this particular video, Crazy Bird goes through and just tells you what's on it, what it looks like, where to get it, how to install it. I picked it up. And I think tomorrow for my Friday night disaster stream, I'm gonna put that in and actually get, and run through a bunch of these uh, games and see how that goes. That's so, very cool. But I thought it'd be interesting if you have a uh, if you have an A500 Mini uh, and you are looking to put the full Monty on here, this would be the way to go. Yeah, and, and uh, as a follow up to that, there's a new firmware update available for this thing, right, Aaron? Now this has just literally just coming out at press time uh, as we go as we put the show on. I noticed it right when we were coming up. Uh, they have updated the firmware, and it to uh, now it will play ADF files quite easily, according to the uh, according to the uh, headline here. So uh, I had a fun they would do this at some point because when everyone when they fully cracked into this thing and saw what was in there, I mean they could already put ADF files on there. It was just a hassle. So I figured it was a matter of time before they basically just made it less of a hassle. Mm -hmm. So that'll be nice. Hey, uh, ADFs on your. Uh, that was one of the knocks against the A500 Minis that you couldn't easily play the F, so this probably will take care of that for you. Again, this is Crazy Burger over on YouTube, but good awesome. guy. All right, and that's going to do it for this week's Amiga News. It's time, Aaron, to talk a little bit about our favorite sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Yes, sir. Now, as we've mentioned many times, our good buddy Frank is the man on the spot when you need some action on your Commodore base systems. Uh, he's got you covered for uh, your recappings. He's got you covered for cap kits. You know, I just did a cap kit uh, yesterday uh, for the A uh, for the Apple II GS mm -hmm. on my power supply, and 
I have years of experience with cap kits and years of experience with soldering and all kinds of good equipment, and it was still a hassle, pain in the butt, right? And I thought to myself, man, I would pay someone money to do this for me. Well, luckily for me, I know Frank, and Frank would take care of business. And I mention this because I've been informed by Frank that he is now beginning a recapping service on power supplies. Wow. So... Are you one of these people that has an ancient Amiga power supply? Yes. That's been used that you've been using for a thousand years. <laughs> yes. You know, now some people aren't lucky enough to have a box with a Polish adapter <laughs> in it like we've got to have a power supply. Or to have Jason Warren standing by to build us a custom yeah. power adapter. So this is a uh, this is a great service to look into from RetroRewind.ca. Uh, Frank is beginning to do recaps on power supplies. An excellent service, along with the other recapping he does now. Are you looking to buy stuff? You don't need recapture service. You want to get goodies. Frank's your guy. He's got your multi-carts. He's got the brand new A600 accelerator. Hot off the presses. These things sold like mad. Mm-hmm. So, But he, Frank's your guy. He's your hookup. The official hookup. One thing I want to mention about RetroRewind.ca, they're not some kind of flabbernight outfit that just downloads the plans for stuff or steals them, just <laughs> makes themselves like jerks. Frank's taking care of business the right way. He gets together with the guys that manufactured that uh, came up with these ideas. It's all legal. They're getting their cut. It's guilt free, and you get a good deal, and you can get a better deal through us, Bo, can't you? That's right. If you use promo code Amigos10 at checkout, you can save ten percent off any order from Retro Rewind. And man, at that point, it's like he's giving this stuff away because his prices are very reasonable. And I want to mention, uh, so of course, Frank's going to be at Boatfest. But I might as well go ahead and do it now. Uh, just uh, in a few short weeks, Boat, uh, we are going to have International Computer Club, and Frank will be International Computer Club as well. Uh, in fact, he's sort of the one that got me to do this International Computer Club, uh, and we're so we're going to crank one up. This will be the 21st of May, starting at 4.30, down and dirty at 4.30. We've got about six people signed up, so we've got a good, healthy amount of people to uh, show including Frank. He's going to go over some of the latest stuff he's picked up, uh, which is great. So it should be a lot of fun. And we appreciate Frank, not just for helping uh, keep the lights on at Amigos, but also helping to do all the special stuff we do, including stuff like International Computer Club and Boat Fest. Thank you very much, Frank. Please check out RetroRewind.ca. Awesome. All right, Aaron, it's time to jump in to this week's game, Jumpin' Jackson. I see what you did there, Boat. Very clever. Now, I always ask, so I ask again, Bo, is this one you'd seen in the past? Never. Never. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of this one. It's amazing how many times we've said that, given the fact that we've done this for many years. But here it is <laughs> it again. It just goes to show how many Amiga I, games are out there. And the thing is, it's not like I don't ever look through the back catalog. Like, mm-hmm. I go to this crap all the time. So, Jumpin' Jackson, uh, it's spelled wackily. It's jumping with a thingy, the jack, and then, a, I guess, a space, and then sun. Yeah, and it's explained. This is explained, of course, in the documentation. Yeah, the documentation for this is priceless. Yeah. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, this came out in uh, 1990 uh, on a disc. You've got the two-player hot seat supported on this thing. And uh, this was published by Infograms. Uh, this is a game uh, that was uh, mastermind-minded by a guy named uh, Christophe uh, Lamboreau, if mm. I'm getting that correct. He also worked on the graphics on this. Uh, coded by Damien Petit and... P. Sk- 
Skiro, sounds like a Doctor Who villain. Uh, and none of these guys did anything else on the Amiga. I was kind of surprised, Boat. Well, was this was this originally developed for the Amiga, or was this an this ST? was an ST? Okay. This was an ST uh, port over. Mm-hmm. Uh, another the other guy that did the graphics was a guy named uh, Didier Sean Frey. Now, Didier did a lot of stuff, including uh, Bubble Ghost, Dune, uh, Purple Saturn Day, Cult, some stuff that we've actually heard of. Uh, the music on this was done by uh, Stefan Peek, who uh, did also worked on Dune, some other stuff. So these guys, uh, in fact, he's quite, got quite a repertoire of uh, of uh, music. This is ECSOCS, and again, based on the uh, Atari ST release. Um, do you would you go into the manual on this before we actually talk, describe the game so it gives you the backstory? Probably should. Yeah, yeah. So because you have to read the manual for this wacky game. So, I'm just going to read this first part. Why don't you let me read it? Oh, would you like to? Go ahead. There's nothing more that I enjoy than reading a good manual. Feel free. The bad times have come. Rock and roll is dead! (laughs) Classical music, yuck, has taken over in the world's a sad, sad place. You want to get out, but nothing but dusty oboes, creaky cellos, and incredible old conductors waving their melancholy arms around. To save civilization as we know and love it, someone's going to have to find Elvis Presley's first ever record, because that's where the whole soul of rock is preserved in its essential purity. The king cut his historic masterpiece when he was working as a truck driver. He saved up enough to record two songs for his mother's birthday. The record was made in a small studio in Memphis, where ten copies were pressed. Of the original ten records, only one remains. Whoever finds it will free the spirit of rock and roll and save the world from the gloom and despair of classical music. Man. Before we get some fun back in the world, however, all the great rock and roll records of history have to be collected. There's only one person who can do the job right, the direct descendant of the one and only Jumping Jack from Jumpin' Jack Flash, the crazed, amazing 1968 Rolling Stones song written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. (laughs) That was very good, Boat. Thank you. Even coming out of you, that sounded even dumber than when I read it. <laughs> because that is one dumb backstory. I wonder if that, that you know, I, I knew Elvis was a trick driver. Was that true with the whole song? For his mom? No, none of that is true. That's cool. I don't think I don't even think Elvis was a truck driver I think when he, he cut no, his first record. No, I think record. he was a truck driver. I think that part's true. Okay. And I like the idea that Elvis is making a record for his mom. That's that, something yeah. that Elvis would do. Yeah. So with that, that is one wacky. By the way, what did you think when you read this? Since you uh, you teach a little classical music, you're kind of a dusty old conductor yourself. How did that make you feel? Listen, it's funny. I talked when I was at the uh, the band director conference in Chicago. I talked to a band director from England. Yeah. And he was like, man, we just can't get kids to join bands anymore. And I was like, well, we're doing okay over here. And he's like, well... I think it's because of this Amiga game called Jumpin' Jackson. It told all the kids the classical music was lame. Who knew? And it was all over after that. Well, you know, and the thing is, when when you were a young man, okay, uh, like let's say uh, 12, 13 years old, what, what were your thoughts on classical music? I hated it. Okay, I did too. Yeah. So you could see who they were going oh, for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, it, yeah, I was I read, as an adult, I was like, what? <laughs> what a load of crap. So... And with that, you are released into the world of Jumpin' Jackson. By the way, the explanation for his name is stupid. That's the dumbest part of it all. Because first of all, it assumes that any time that you create a song, I guess it it, it, it sort of, uh, you spawn a personality into the world. So when Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, because those names are capitalized, 
in the uh, in the docks. Whenever they wrote the song, it created a guy, but then the guy got busy and he uh, had a son. I wonder who the mom is. Uh, that would be Brown Sugar. Bra- that's a good good comeback, Bo. It was quick on your feet there. So, Jumpin' Jackson, let's let's boil it down. What is this game? It's a wacky puzzle game. Yeah. Now, um, the best way to describe what you do in this game, it's actually, it's simple, that, but they just add stuff to it. You play uh, Jumpin' Jackson. This is a direct downward view. So, you're over the play field. You're seeing the top of Jumpin' Jackson's head. Uh, you see a grid uh, of places that Joe Jackson can go, and it changes per level. And amongst the things you'll see on the grid are a checkered flag, uh, some record players with no record on them, and some multicolored spots, mm-hmm. at least early on. And we'll get to the more advanced stuff. Uh, Jumping Jackson has the abilities, that, sort of like Cubert uh, would have, is that when he jumps on these spots, they change color, and so does his hair. Which actually, that was a pretty smart move, yeah. making his hair change color. Because when he's standing on the on the box, you can't really see the box, mm. so you can't really tell what color the box is. Uh, and the way this works is, all these different colored boxes can can turn into a, a variety of colors. I think it's like four, and you have to match up the colored squares to go along with a record player color that's on the that's on the level. So, for example. If you're on the first level and you see a, a kind of reddish-pink record player, that means you need to go turn a set of squares into that color so then you can retrieve a record and then hop back over, put it on the record player, and start that part of the tune up. And what you're doing, ultimately, is putting records on all these record players so you can play the full song. And once you get the full song going, you can go back to the checkered flag and leave the level. It's, that's pretty much... The basis of the game, then they just go and add extra stuff to it, including enemies you have to run away from, uh, and, and, and different types of enemies. Some of them can shoot. They also add teleport blocks, mystery teleport blocks, power-ups, the stuff you would expect in a game like this. So strictly off the basis of the principle of this game, the principle gameplay, what did you think of this? Well, this is Cubert. This is a top-down Cubert. Uh, you know, in Cubert, you jump around, turning uh, blocks different colors to beat the levels. In this game, you do that. Uh, it just adds an extra step. You know, you are you're you're turning colored blocks colors to collect a record. You drop the record off on the correct player, and when you get all the record players spinning with the records on them, you move on to the next level. Uh, this is a good concept for a game. It is. It's a good concept. I uh, I like the fact that you slowly build a tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very it makes you want to get all the record players going, and the tunes in this are pretty good. I mean, they're not uh, top shelf tunes, but I think some are some are pretty good. Well, we're going to differ on this. You thought they were top shelf? No, I thought they were top garbage. Well, I was trying to. Be, I didn't think they were. No, I, no. I thought the song, some of the songs were okay. The this this is like if you described rock and roll to somebody that had never heard it but knew how to work a, uh, a musical synthesizer, they would compose something that sounds like it, these songs. It's eerily similar to something you'd whack at the mall. Right. Like the noise. Right. You know, you know like, like when you used to go over to Pied Piper, yeah. and they had the keyboards that would play the various It'd samples. Like salsa. Right. You get that... Right, exactly. And then you'd add some crap in. That's the game. Yeah, that's it. You're right. That is exactly what happened. So, you know, in theory, what they should have done with this game was what they did with rock and roll racing. 
which is one of the great games of all time, also by a European developer. Have you played Rock and Roll Racing I before? I didn't okay. think it was that good. They used, well, the game's not that great, but what they did was they used real songs. Yeah. Okay. What they should have done in this game, because obviously they don't care about copyright, because the title tune is Jumping Jack Flash. Well, it's 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 a loving tribute well, to Jumping Jack what Flash. What they should have done was added in a couple more loving tributes instead yes. of whatever original music that they put in here. <laughs> um, because I found myself playing this game most of the time with the music off. Oh, God. I found it to be incredibly annoying. Really? Incredibly annoying. It reminds me of... There's a series of DVDs, and I think they started out as VHS tapes called Animusic, and these are really early computer-generated, um, like, CGI models of instruments that are playing themselves. They're really cool, and the music is very similar to this, except it's a little bit better, but it's still not top shelf. Um, I love the way, the mechanic, I love the way that you, the first record you add, you know, it's, it might be the drum parties, you boom, you know, and then you might have the bass come on next. That part is awesome. What they should have done was just used, you know, like I said, you should have had some Zeppelin, you should have had some more Stones, and you could have, you could have tweaked it a little bit just to be cute, but that would have made the game a lot better for me. The big problem that I have with this game, though, is it's very, very luck-based. Uh, this game requires you to teleport around to various sections of the map to, uh, to either uncover squares or to bring records to uh, to record players. And whenever you teleport, you're never exactly sure where you're going to end up. Okay, because it's not you teleport, you don't teleport, teleport, teleport. You teleport to just a random square on the on, on another board. Okay, and when that happens, uh, it might be you might land on where an enemy is, and then yeah. you're dead. Yeah. And there's no and there and there's no coming back from that. That's no good. The other thing I don't like about this game is that you have to beat a, what's called a challenge level yeah. to, to get a password. And that's also no good, because the challenge levels are complete, they're not anything like the levels that you've already beat. And it's one of the, it's like a bonus stage where you can make one mistake and you die. And normally in a bonus stage, that's fine, because you're just, you're competing with a little bit of extra score or whatever. But you, in know this, what, you know what the bonus stage reminded me of? What? It's a combination of Pac-Man and those little things used to, those little triangle games used to get like Cracker Barrel, where you 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 oh yeah after you run out of space and then right. you bone yeah this because you you basically run around and co basically collect this stuff or enlarge it but it, you can't ever screw up yeah what, one screw up poses you what what Aaron's talking about is there's a there's a wooden block that's in the shape of a triangle and you use golf tees to jump the other tees and the idea yeah. is that you've got to end up with only one left that's a lot like what these mini games that's great yeah. that's a great comparison so I don't mind that mini game but I do hate the fact that you can't like. Whenever I didn't meet that challenge level and I didn't get the password, I was like, screw this. Because it's no easy, even though these levels aren't particularly difficult, like the first four levels aren't hard, but yeah. it's just, it's a I long mean, uh, slog to get through them. It's yeah. a long slog. And I, I wanted to get that password so I could just keep going. I cheated. So, I just went and uh, looked at the password. Okay, well, that's, yeah. That's how I do it. You know, I want to ask you about something that happened to me. Now, just to finish up on the fundamentals of the game, uh, you can only get one record at a time unless you have uh, grabbed a jukebox, mm -hmm. which will allow you to store, I think it's up to two other ones. I think you can have a total of three, right. I think it's a total. You seldom will that happen. But the, so, and that's part of the strategy, how you can get these records one at a time. And it's got you going back and forth across the maze. Uh, and you're sort of memorizing the easiest path to get there. Some of these, I mean, they get devious real quick. Yeah, and they're very, I mean, I will say the guys that designed this were very clever. Mm -hmm. 
but the here's my biggest problem with the game, and you, I, it's funny. I read a lot about this. I only saw a few people mention it. The controls just get weird in this game, like for no reason. Like I'll be hopping along, and then the, and I thought, man, I tried this on the Mister. I tried this on Amiga Forever. I tried a couple different ways, and it happened on every one of them. Also, occasionally, Jumpa Jackson would just go do something weird. Yeah, he has like a spasm. And he just goes, and I, thought, and I, I kept looking up to try to figure out what I was doing right. to cause that. I never could figure that out know. either. Yeah. So if you know why Jumpin' Jackson suddenly goes ballistic, I don't, I'd love to know why. But uh, but I just had some control issues, if mm-hmm. I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, it was driving me nuts. And it was, if you're, listen, this game is not easy because the, the pursuers, and the pursuers take various shapes. Some crusty old conductors are sh- chasing you to shoot lightning. There's trumpets, there's cymbals. Uh, there's all kinds of musical-based bad guys that come at you. Uh, and as you get to the later levels, they get really diabolical. Of course, you've got teleporters that just have a question mark on them. You don't know where you're going to go. You've got uh, uh, conveyor belts. There's random There's random things that appear. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. There's, there's power-ups in this game. You've got bonus uh, food items that give you score. If you, get, if you put on the shades, get this, Aaron. When Jumpin' Jackson takes the dark glasses... His hatred of classical music reaches such terrifying proportions that the monsters flee for their miserable lives. But they can still kill you. I know as a classical musician, whenever I see somebody wearing sunglasses, it makes me uncomfortable. And I actually got the sunglasses, but the thing is, they run, but they can still kill you. Right, right. Now, if you wear the leather jacket, then you get an extra life. Which I never got. Okay. There's also a Walkman. The Walkman gives you any one of three powers. Invisibility, where'd he go? Well, that's probably not going to help you because you also don't know where he is. It also makes you invincible. It can make you invincible, uh, which makes your hair go insane. Uh, it also gives you automatic zone coloring, which is essential that, for some of these things. Yeah, I was yeah. going to, well, there's one thing in there will automatically let you win the level, and right. I got that one time. Yeah. The power ups are, are, they don't come up that often, yeah. I'm honest. Now, let me, let me tell you something about the, the HUD in this game is quite good. Okay, because it gives you all the essential information that you need. It tells you what record, what colored record player you still need to activate. It tells you what records you've already activated. It tells you your score. It tells you how many jukeboxes you have. It tells you how many lives you have. It tells you how many cassettes you have. You drop cassettes, and that basically makes the enemies flee. For a uh, few for, seconds. Yeah, for a few seconds. Those aren't much. It gives you your score, what level you're on, the time limit, and the amount of guys. They cram a lot of information into this yeah. HUD, and it's done very it's well. Not, it's so not I'm, intrusive either. Yeah. But, I mean, this is another one of those games where, really, you don't have an offensive power. No. Even in Cuberty, you could jump off the side. Mm-hmm. I would like those. But, I mean, this, you're pretty much, they're coming for you. This game... It's a tough one to judge. I mean, how far into this did you get? I, I, I got, cheated, but how did you? How far did you get without cheating? I played the until the until the end of the first challenge level on game A. Yeah, and then I played the first couple levels on game B. Forget about game B. Game B gets real game hard B real a, quick. They went to yeah. the NES school of, of difficulty. Right. They had an A and B game. Which right. I, when that first comes up, I thought that was odd. I really hoped that two players would be simultaneous. That could have been fun, but it's not. So that was kind of a letdown. Uh, this one is a it's a mixed bag. Like I mean, I think there's enough original ideas here to make it fun. I like the concept. The little guy. We've seen much much lamer good guys than mm-hmm. than Jumpin' Jackson. You know, he's kind of cool. Yeah, he's got cool hair. The yeah. hair changes. He seems amusing. Like the bad guys in this, they're they're pretty interesting. They're okay. You know, yeah, I, I they mean, fit the bill. They, yeah, yeah, they're they're fine. Really, to me. 
what you want in this game, what you want in any puzzle game is a password after every level. You know, yeah. if I was playing this, again, I can't tell you how much of a downer that is. And you and, absolutely don't get that even if you pass the thing. You yeah. still don't get that. And then the other thing is the teleports. You know, the way that you randomly teleport to a place where there might just be a monster, that's no good. Well, I, I the control issues, the teleports were annoying. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and the controls are not great. The controls are logy. They, yeah. they, you need great controls in a game you like need, that. You need, because you're, you're basing, because I don't know if we really made this clear or not, but when you stand on a square, the square will start to change colors about once every half second. It's a pretty rapid I thought, change. Can you just, I thought, yeah, 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 when you stand on right, it. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And so what you have to do is you have to wait until the exact precise moment to jump on and jump off. It's easier just to jump on and jump off until you turn the color. Right, That's what I which you do. can do until you get to the later stages when you can't, you can't do, do that. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... What do you, difficulty wise, did they nail it or is it to get too hard too quick? I, you know, if it wasn't for, I think as long as you offer a password system for every level, for every level, well, you can you can ramp up the. I thought, like I said, like the first four levels, I thought there was a pretty good ramp. Yeah, because you know? I did. I got to the third level without losing a guy, mm -hmm. and but I still had some control issues even then. But the, then I started because you could get around because they weren't super tough, you know. But you know, every game like this has a password system for it's like a Lemmings. You know, there's no excuse for that. Right. That's just being uh, silly. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know what the deal was on that. I, uh, you know, of course, we mentioned that this originally came out on the Atari, uh, and so I did a little comparison here. Uh, to, and really, they are quite uh, almost uh, exactly the same in a lot of ways. I mean, the HUD looks the same. You know, what did you think of using tapes as a defense, though? Did you get much use out of the tape? No, I mean, it, it, the really, there's not much you can do if an enemy's on your tail. You can drop a tape for a second, They're, but especially like the cellos. The cellos are after you, and there's yeah. nothing you can do to the, shake the them. The one thing tapes do do is there are many times in this game where you're at a dead end. Mm -hmm. And that if you're at a dead end and you drop a tape, they will turn around. That, mm -hmm. that That's one thing they'll do. And if you're quick enough... You can go back and collect yeah, that tape. Get the tape back. I thought that was a nice touch. It is a nice touch. Like I said, it's a, it really is a mixed bag mm -hmm. of a game. I don't think you're losing anything. I mean, if you look at the comparison between the Atari ST and the Amiga, I mean, you couldn't. You'd be hard pressed to tell a difference. What right. You vote. Right. So really, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, but you know, this one was uh, tough to judge, and the reviews of the game sort of uh, are uh, along those lines. Before Boat gets to his Discord reviews, I looked up some. Uh, reviews, uh, magazine reviews. The people at Lemon, they think of this thing pretty high. They give it a seventy, a seven point four five. Uh, looking over the usual suspects here, Amiga Format gave it an eighty one. Amiga Joker Boat gave it an eighty eight. They were down. Uh, the uh, uh, Games Machine gave it eighty four, and the One gave it a sixty two. Uh, the overall magazine average was seventy nine percent. So right there, at a very high C or a low yeah, B. I, I, that's where I'd go with this. What did the Discord folks think about this one, Boat? David Hearn Ryder writes, Jumping Jackson, who looks like Beaker from the Muppets if he'd been run over by a steamroller. <laughs> yeah, he does. Was a cute arcade puzzle game with awesome music as each record added a track when you completed the level. Novel. The story about classical music instruments trying to destroy rock music is ridiculous but fun, just like the game itself. The first lot of 16 levels were tricky to beat, the second lot were hardcore. The powers and weapons were a bit lame, but the puzzle action itself was addictive. Clever game design, easy to pick up, hard to master. I had a lot of fun with this one. 8 out of 10 rock records. 
Bumface Poo Hands, right? <laughs> Writes, what do you get when you cross Qbert with the Rolling Stones? Jumping Jack's son. It's not clear if he's the son of Jumping Jack Flash or Mick Jagger. Well, yes, it is, Bumface. You better read those docs, man. <laughs> but he certainly is infringing on copyright with his title music. The game itself is not a terrible concept, and it's fun for the first few levels. Bounce around, paint colors, collect records, and avoid trumpets. Uh, and he says this game uh, predates the ska punk crazy of the late 90s when all rock bands were mandated to have a horn section. Uh, actually, the, when you think about like Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, there's tons of classic rock and roll. I've been that listening great to so much section. stuff. Every, I think everybody should still have one. Yeah, yeah. By level six, when you're getting run over by a massive drum, it's starting to grate. By level seven, when an equally giant cello is chasing you, it's time to change the record. For a game that wears its rock and roll influence on its sleeve, the game is more trash than thrash. Oh. And I just can't get no satisfaction. Uh -huh. Just stick on your favorite rock and roll record and play some Qbert instead. Bumface Poo Hands rating, two hands up, one bum down. And finally. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Pajago6502 writes, At first, Jumping Jackson has some nice concepts. However, after a couple levels, it becomes noticeably clunky to control, making some levels tricky to navigate. Jumping on key squares multiple times to color them is cool, but it soon becomes an annoyance when you mistime your movement, which you will do a lot. Teleports feel tacked on, as they don't really add anything, and some teleports are random, so luck more than strategy starts to come into play. Teleports will transport you to a teleport square, but that also means that baddies can teleport right on top of you without warning. Uh, you can freeze enemies by standing on checkerboard squares, but then you aren't moving either, and the, given that baddies move rap randomly, having everything standing still gives no real benefit. Nice colorful graphics, but Jackson is quite messy looking from a top-down viewpoint. The music elements of building up a track is a great concept. Overall, the game needed a little more polish, but it's just not, uh, but it's not one for me. Five out of ten. And finally, Jumping Jackson comes to us from Lord Soup. He says, polished, Yet not a huge amount of fun to play. Good for a go every now and then, but not mega compelling. Just about a 6 out of 10. You know, I, I, I'm sort of in that same area. I mean, listen, if you're a real puzzle head, you might really enjoy this. I think there's a lot to it. Uh, I do think you said something I thought was spot on. It seems like some of the stuff they kind of maybe threw in. You know, it's the way it sort of feels, because I think the core of this game is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen uh, less teleporting and some... I would like to see something better than the cassette as a weapon or something, or maybe the ability to Give me the to old leap. Mr. Do-Ball. How about the ability to leap higher so you can yeah. jump over the Pac-Mania style. That'd be mm -hmm. kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see where that would make it a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. You were killing the music on this. And I, I was reading a lot of the reviews on Lemon, and that was one of the universal things with this case. Everyone thought the music, and it was really good. Well, these so, are people that listen to Mod Files. Well, I love Mod Files. Yeah. Bo, you're just... You have a... First of all, you're a dusty old classical music that's conductor. True. That's, that's probably true. part of it. But uh, I think this is one that's uh, certainly worth having a look at. Oh, I uh, did look this up on eBay, about just to see what it was going for. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, these weren't there weren't a ton of these uh, hmm. around. You can get one complete in box. Now, it's a Spanish version, so I don't know if that just means... I can't remember if the manual was multilingual, but anyway... It was multilingual. It was from the UK, 73 bucks or best offer complete in box. The discs alone were going for nineteen twenty bucks. So hmm. I'm assuming they didn't sell too many of these. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, Boat. Well, An Aaron, interesting game. Before we leave, Action Jackson. Yes, sir. Actually, you know what? We're gonna leave Action Jackson. Screw that guy. <laughs> before we move on to our community updates, Aaron. Yes, sir. 
we are nearing the one month mark away from Boat Fest. Oh my gosh, you're okay. right, Boat. And uh, you know, we have sold more than half of the available tickets for Boat Fest at this point. And I have a feeling that uh, we are going to be sold out of this event by yeah, the time no, it's all said and done. None of the locals have bought their tickets right, yet. Right, right. So they're probably going to buy them at the door. So I would say that, yeah, we're running out of room here. Yeah, so if you are uh, interested in attending a uh, vintage computing festival in the heart of West Virginia, uh, we are located about three and a half hours from Columbus, uh, Ohio, about three hours from Cincinnati. Uh, we are about four hours from uh, Pittsburgh. So if you're anywhere in sort of that eastern seaboard location and you want to come to a really fun event, BoatFest.info is the place to check it out. We're going to be having 30-plus uh, classic computers and consoles there. You can bring your own stuff. Uh, we're going to be having contests, door prizes. Uh, we're going to have uh, live tapings of all of the Amigo shows, plus Sprite Castle, Rob Flack O'Hara is going to be there. Uh, we're going to have uh, live repairs on site done by Retro Rewind. Uh, Frank and Jason Warrens are going to be repairing machines while we're there and talking about their work. If you want to get stuff repaired, this is the time to bring it over to those yeah. guys. Uh, like I said, there's going to be giveaways and trophies and contests, karaoke, your dreams will come true at Boat Fest. Wow, don't reveal it. <laughs> also, you've got a cocoa line around. L. Curtis Boyle will be there as That's well. That's right. And he could probably give you all sorts of... In fact, I guarantee he'll make it his business to give you the full <laughs> scoop on the cocoa, brother. That's right. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we've been talking with the Brent this week. They've got a bunch of stuff percolating. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are going to be bringing some of their own stuff here. should be a lot of fun, Boat. I'm very excited about yeah. Boat Fest. Yeah. All right, Aaron, what's been going on over on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel? We did have a couple uh, items this week, Boat, and this one I'm going to let you speak on because you literally saved our bacon to a certain degree on getting this game uh, made, or not made, but played, and that is, bam, Sundog. That's right, so Sundog was a game long in the making because the first, uh, we, we planned on doing it a month earlier, we yeah. couldn't get it to run right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we finally got it uh, sort of working and we're able to give it a give it a, a pretty good review, I thought, uh, an overview of all the mechanics. This is a game, Aaron, that was really far ahead of its time in terms of what it tried to accomplish, especially on this Apple II version, but the, the ST version, you know, gave it sort of a graphical facelift and uh, it's a, a really, really deep, fun uh, space trading uh, game that gives you a lot of action on the planet side itself. Yeah, if too. you're a fan of Elite uh, on the, the myriad of systems that it's on, uh, I, I honestly suggest not only do you check out uh, the game, but check out the episode, hear about the game, because this thing, uh, I would say, matches up to Elite quite favorably, mm -hmm. uh, Boat. And it's got a, it's got a lot of extra stuff that you wouldn't normally get in Elite. Uh, it's it was a big surprise to me. Uh, this one was, and what made it more surprising was the fact that it wasn't accepted well at its own time, mm -hmm. and that they never got to make the sequel. You know, it's this. funny, Aaron. I attended a uh, classical music concert on Tuesday. Oh, the old conductor. That's right, and they played one of your favorite pieces. They played the Planets. Oh yes. And I, I was surprised reading the concert in the uh, program notes. The Planets was not accepted in its own time either. They thought it was a piece of garbage. No critics reviewed the Planets well. And, of course, now it's one of the most famous classical pieces of all time. So there it just go. goes to show. Hey, I wanted to mention, we had a, one of the, one of the uh, commenters on this mention this, because we talked about it during the show. Why were there no sequels? Well, there were two planned. And they were called Old Scores to Settle and Blows Against the Empire. Mm. This guy uh, mentioned. So there, that was something we wondered about. Uh, because this game sort of ends abruptly, although 
Oh, I should have mentioned this during that and jump a jack. Did you see the ending of Jumpin' Jackson? It just goes back to the title screen. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. So it really yeah. that's abrupt as hell. Mm-hmm. So anyway, check that out. That's the Atari ST show. Listen, you don't have to be an ST fan to check it out. You should go in there and give it a whirl. The ST uh, has a, a lot to offer. We've learned a lot about uh, the various uh, interesting games that are on there. We're doing pretty much X- ST exclusives with a few exceptions. And uh, this one was only released on the ST and the Apple, so it's pretty rare. I would check it out. Be playing this on the old GS. Maybe we can get it to work on there fully, but there be you great. go. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and get into this one. Myself and the Brent, you may have heard of him. He's shifty as the day is long. We uh, spun the wheel this week on ARG. We made the deal, and the deal was the N-Gage. Mm. The N-Gage, the Nokia N-Gage. Did you ever play with one of these back in never, the day? Have you ever, never. Did you go by the had one? Never. Because this is right about the time you'd be wheeling a deal. I remember when these were sold in stores. I remember everybody mercilessly making fun of these things. Well, the fact that you had to pop the back off, pick up the battery, and switch the games. Not out, good. That, that is baffling. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you held up to your ear and it looked like you were uh, some kind of uh, moron, <laughs> cybernetically enhanced ear that you had sticking out. <laughs> These were a horrible... Side talking. I mean, the engineers that put this together should have stuck to driving trains. Because these guys had no idea. So we get into... And let me tell you something. ARG, it's our new thing. Emulate the (laughs) unemulatable. Because this week... Last week it was this. And our next show, our upcoming show, is going to be games that you play on calculators. Oh, my gosh. I I spent all week trying to emulate the TI-84+. Plus. You kidding me? I still haven't got it working right. So I had to play this on Britt's phone this week. So <laughs> if you're interested in watching me and Britt struggle mightily, but we have a good time on this, and the encourage is sort of a fascinating topic it to get is. into. And you'd be surprised at the amount of big-named people that were had games in there. Your Sega, your EAs, all these guys had all their MLB best stuff. the show. Sure. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog was on this yeah. thing. Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. A lot of the big titles. So they, mm-hmm. were, they were hedging their bets, right. I guess. So that's what we had cooking this week on the uh, Amigos Retro Gaming Channel. Now, if I could call your attention to our Amigos Stream Team channel. Yes. Got a lot cooking on there this week, uh, this week as well. Uh, first thing I did, I, uh, I uploaded it. It's a stream I did a, a while back. This is the good thing about the Amigos Stream Team. I get to pull these streams out of storage. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, this is my old Psygnosis exclusives on the PlayStation Stream. We get through and play a lot of games that were exclusive on the PlayStation or just had maybe one or two other ports of pretty rare stuff, including uh, uh, all kinds of wacky stuff. Stuff that reminds me so much of their Amiga days, it's unbelievable. Also, I just, just for fun, I threw in the old-time radio show at the beginning of this one, too. <laughs> so, for instance, watching uh, some wacky Sony PlayStation stuff with, with Psygnosis, this would be your stream. Uh, we also, uh, <laughs> this is our new thing, the ARG pre-show. This week, you get to hear Brick complain about his job, and I tell the full story about my car breaking down last week in glorious car boats. So if you want to watch me and Brent whine about things, this is the show for you. Fantastic. Uh, listen, you know it went down. Here it is. It's Jack freaking Flack. I watched this last night. This is hot off the presses, by the way. This is uh, Sprite Castle plays random games. That's not really what this is. actually is, a Sprite Castle looks at a bunch of crazy demos and openings that he was involved in. Oh. This is the Flax old cracking group. He he pulls what, out What are they the called? His, his cracking group was like okay Cult, of, crackers Cult of the Dead Cow? Oh, no. The Cult of the Dead Cow is a whole other thing. Oh, okay. But this is, uh, this is Flax. He goes through his whole history of, of, of dirty cracks. And by that I mean, he was like, he would just copy are stuff there any and clean put his cracks? name on it. 
you know, fly, or fly, they did crack stuff. How they got it, what they did, the 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 way that they made the little openings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very interesting. If you're into that sort of scene, it was pretty fun. Uh, at the very end of this, I think he actually plays. A, I'm trying to remember what he played here at the very end. He played something or another, but for the most part, talk is a lot of which demos and him o- talking about these openings they made. It was quite fascinating. This is the kind of stuff you're not going to see anywhere else. I mean, this is this is Flack was there doing this stuff on the C64. He was involved in the scene. I mean, it's the kind of coverage you're not going to see on on any other show. It's very fascinating stuff. So. I, I beseech you, check this out. Also, should mention that uh, the newest Sprite Castle that's out is on Maniac Mansion boat. So, do you ever good. watch the Maniac Mansion live TV show? I know he mentions it on the show because it had a lot of SCTV alums in it. But no, I've never seen Sometimes it. Sometimes I sing the theme song to myself in times of trouble. Well, that's—I don't know what to say about Maniac that. Maniac <laughs> I do want to mention that by the time this airs, uh, there will be uh, one last uh, item on the Amiga Stream Team channel. That will be the very last fragments boat of last year's Amigathon. It's the TSI boys, the T Speaker regulars, <laughs> and our. Two and a half hour uh, City of Heroes stream. All right. It's got it's got your usual suspects on there. Plus myself and the Brent show up in this thing. It's it's actually it was a great time. And City of Heroes playing on our bootleg server. Don't tell anybody. But we had a lot of fun. Uh, so that should be coming up here uh, sometime in the next uh, ten hours or so. Boat. Cool. But I think that's all we've got, my friend. All right. Well, Aaron, uh, last week's. Patreon song challenge. Of course, if you've listened this far and you'd like to support our weekly wacky amigos or amiga podcast, you can uh, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/amigospodcast and you can be featured on the Patreon song itself. Uh, we had two correct responses from last week, Aaron. Now, Aaron, did you get that one? I can't even remember what it was. Honestly, I don't remember. All right, I'm going to tell you the name of the song, and All right. you can tell me if you've heard it before. It's called "Oh, You Pretty Things." No. Okay. Who sang that? This is a song by David Bowie. It sounds like something from Parliament. Yeah, it does. Uh, but uh, Chris Morris got it right, and so did Mitsuyama. Well done. So yeah, congratulations, that's your, that's guys. That's a deep cut right there. Uh, so it was a single. Uh, so deep cut. Uh, now this week. If you know the Amigos Patreon song, you can send me an email at johnandamigospodcast.com and I will read you as a winner next week. Uh, If you know it in the chat, if you're watching this live here on the chat, don't put it in the chat. Send it to me. All right? Here we go. Our type of face boo hands. Chris Edwards, Petzl Albert Kemp, we like what we like. Mr. Chip, Peter Brassum and V. Wanderly Chesum, Margaret Sutton, David Hearn. Ram, okay, Ram, okay. David Terrence, Matthew Mobius, Phantom Magnus, Seth Yates, Alistair, David Z, George Rosansky, The Mega Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Famicom, Crazy Loomis, William Bent, Scar, oh! 
Heavy systems ink bundy Brag Lord Marfiland or Lava Alien Breeder Dave Velociraptor Calvert Boy Lane Vincent Daniel Williams Locansade Bought the base rule in hell Solid Sizer Tech Mage Younger Mr. Cola Bernard Lucas Jerry Diddington Sorkin Reflection Simon Gritch Captain Crispy Killer Bats and Caffeine Gay Heather Fillers Clear Fox Tim Pick for Cameron Armstrong Andy Jones Obstruminator Ten Minute Amiga Red Crest Bernard Quinn RMC Tim Drew Simon Joseph Harrison Cal Hedy Raul Harry Matthew Moore Andy, Craig, Sean, Sanzo, Mark, Midrow, and Dirk, and Max, the zombie, Nicky Lon, Alakabam, Jack of the Devil, Lord, John Marshall, Matthew, Baron, Ricky, the Rush, Creeping, Dead Boy, Thinking, CTZ, The Slow, No, Stop, Exide, Gold, Manson, Evan, Evan, Helen, Mist, Ver, Hassel, Kiss, Fall, Orange, Real, Graham, Dead, Graham, Dead, Key, a prize with the vintage Gary Huckle, Paul Harrington, Doug is tossed from the crib just now, and probably Jonas Rulo, Tichy Eric Nelson, Daniel Brixton, Derek Coles, Jason Wolves, Pixar Dawn, Kill Bjorn Barman. Oh man, it's like it's like someone gave one of the Bee Gees a wedgie. You know, you know what the worst thing of the week is? I'm gonna tell you. It's hearing you sing and then looking over at the paragraph because like, he's got the words and seeing that you're like. One third done. That is the worst feeling. It's like, oh man. You might not be alone in that. Uh, I think I got some of that. I think you went a little crazy there. We'll see how that goes. Yes, I think I think so. Yeah. Man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Aaron, yeah. we do want to thank the fine, fine folks that watch us live on Twitch. Most of the time we record the show on Friday. Today, we had the old ball game. Oh, man. These uh, things are on, killing on me. Friday. Three of these suckers this weekend. So, uh, I do encourage all of you on Discord to check the show schedule channel. Uh, it's right above the Amigos channel. Hmm. You can see when we have to shift the schedule. Um, but we want to thank those fine, fine viewers and watchers. Uh, of our Twitch, and we'll do that now. So we want to say a shout-out and a thank you to Eeyore4077, Mitsuyama, Blue Jellyfish, Grepwald, Daha, Crabs, MTG, Amiga Live, Frodo NL, Oil of Hope, RetroRewind.ca, Darkwing602, Real Retro Dude, Twilight Zoner, Grizzla, Back to 8-Bit with Hermsky, John Marshall 3, Luminate 08, Christian Russell, Buck Owens, The Mr. Chip, Wide World of Retro, Rushi, MSX, Barkbit, Mashpie, Orom, Canadian Retro Things, Great Al G, Retro Jerry, Wing Chun Wolf, Explore, Duncan Styles, Level Lord, Disastrous, Pixel Rages, Pakotake, Holy Guacamole, Petzl, Hoob, Janus, 88, Gustavo Hits, Pishbot, Gary Heather, Texas Foodballer, Ami Steph, Jigglebox and Monza Mess. Thank you guys so much Thank you. for supporting us on Twitch. All right, Aaron. The time has come to unveil next week's game on oh, Amigos. Oh, man. Are you ready? What is it? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Take him to Detroit. <laughs> Did you ever hear of this one? No. Who thought that's a good name for a game? Listen, when this game was made... 
Detroit was no was still a garbage. Detroit, place for me. <laughs> the game where you run a failing city. Good luck with that water problem. Don't like, call nine one one. No, they're not coming. No, well, we were going to Detroit because we love them. I've never. You've been to Detroit. I've been to Detroit. I have too. What you think of it? It's just as bad it's as they large, say. It's large, isn't it? Well, I've only been to the downtown area. That's where I saw Dave Gahan of Depeche Mode. You know, they've got a nice museum up there, art museum. Well, they've got, if you go outside of Detroit, like the Henry Ford Museum is oh, super yeah. nice, I've yeah. heard. Uh, they've got Marvin's, Marvin's Marvelous Museum of Mechanical Implements. Mm. Yeah, there's a bunch, bunch of old coin-op machines you and know, stuff. Detroit was a victim of its own incredible success. And that, that's the way it goes, you know. Big City, hey, Charleston was the same way in a yeah. small version. Yeah, so. yeah, By absolutely. God. We're going to play Detroit like we love Detroit, vote. Next week, all Detroit. What's your favorite ball team from Detroit or, or sports team? <laughs> uh, well, you got to go with the Tigers. I mean, you're going to go with the Lions? They, what about the Red Wings? I don't watch hockey. Oh, man. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening and or watching. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.